Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm such a special session commemorating Buddha Shakyamuni's Pali Nirvana. Celebrating Mandala Day. And now this commemoration of Edo Tai Shimano Roshi's Five years ago, February 19th, 2018, Edo dropped his body. Like many great Zen masters, it seemed he had a premonition of his death. Two days before, at Shogenji Junior College in Mifu, Japan, he had given a teisho, something he had done there every year for decades. But this time, he focused on Dogen Zenji's Shoji, life, death. It begins just accept that samsara, life, death, is nirvana that there is no samsara to avoid, no nirvana to wish for. Then you will be released from samsara. It is a mistake to think that life transforms into death. Life is a temporary condition always already with its before and after. Therefore, in the Buddha Dharma, life is beginningless. Death, too, is a temporary condition, also with its before and after. Thus, death is deathless. At the moment of life, there is nothing but life. At the moment of death, there is nothing but death. Therefore, when there is life, just let life be life. 
when death comes, face it and offer yourself. It is Teisho, which Zen Shon, Martin Hall, Langley made available to us in translation. Edo, she commented, All of you are alive now. This is living. While you're alive, there's nothing but life. But I doubt that anyone, when you're just letting your mind wander, has this deep sense of, I'm alive now. I'm living. When we live each and every moment to the fullest, in the time we call living, there is nothing but life. He continued. Dogen said, at the moment of death, there is nothing but death. So it's the same thing. Buddha has given us that is, we have, we have no, no idea what day, day, what month, or what year we will die. It's a tremendous gift. It allows, it allows us to live in each day as if it were our last. Ichigo, Ichie. Unprecedented, unrepeatable. This is how we have to think. We might meet again next year. We might not. So here we are, some 30 of us in this endo and some 16 online. We make so many assumptions. The key assumption is what? Have another breath. Yeah. That we're going to wake up tomorrow. Max, say it a little louder. That we're going to wake up tomorrow. Yes, the key assumption is that we're going to wake up tomorrow. That this body will still be alive. that we'll be able to come together again for the next session. 
when we realize that this is the most precious moment, unprecedented, never before experienced, never again, unrepeatable, then we really are alive now. was such a brilliant teacher, dynamic, creative, intuitive, solid. compelling. He did not suffer fools gladly. We have many, many opportunities to experience this, right? <laughs> he challenged us always to drop our assumptions, not to become complacent, not to, not to depend on anyone or anything. To find out who we truly are. And he showed by his own example what it was to be completely engaged devoted to this dharma, no matter what. Look at this Zendo. Look at this Zendo. Wow. Former carriage house with horses hoping on the floor. And the impossible dream made manifest through his dedication and the efforts of so very many. He relentlessly pushed us 
to probe into this matter. To go further. To see our habitual reactivity. To break through the bonds of our beliefs in a separate self. Master Inzai said, all we teachers can do is loosen bonds and cure illnesses. Loosen bonds and cure illnesses. What's the fundamental illness? Suffering. Ignorance. Living in ignorance of what we heard yesterday the Buddha called the three marks of existence. Anika, impermanence. Dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, dis-ease, suffering. And I'm not non-self. And we have preferences, right? We try to hold on to what we like, forgetting that as soon as there's form, it's already begun to disintegrate, disappear. Bye-bye. There is no unchanging substance to anyone or anything. And we don't like that. And so we suffer, particularly when we forget that the self we cling to has no inherent reality. In his later years, Eiroshi delved ever more deeply into case two of the Mumonkan, Yakujo and the Fox. The story goes that every day, an old man would stand behind the monks when Yakujo was giving Taisho. 
when asked who he was, he told Yakajo, I am not a human being. Long ago, when I was head monk on this mountain, someone asked me, does an enlightened person fall under the yoke of causation? I answered, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> How would you answer? I neither am, nor am I not. Does an enlightened person all under the yoke of causation. From a rational standpoint, after all, you might say, well, doesn't enlightenment imply freedom from causation? Isn't that the point of our painful practice? Isn't that our goal? Of course, none of you would say so. <laughs> So we really have to look deeply into this. Each one of us to give some glib answer, some blithe response that doesn't come from our own true experience, but rather from the usual kind of logical thought process. In other words, to imagine what it might be. Oh, when I'm enlightened, I'll be free. Yay! is to put ourselves into great danger. So what happened to that old man? He was turned into a fox. He was turned into a fox for a day or two? 500 years. 500! Lifetimes. Lifetimes. Yeah. He told Yokujo, at that moment I was condemned to 500 lifetimes as a fox. Please give me a turning word. Tell me. Does an enlightened person fall under the yoke of causation? Yakujo said, an enlightened person does not ignore 
causation. At that, old man was emancipated. Does not ignore does not think, okay, once I get out of causation, I'll be free. It's not apart from, but within. Nirvana is not apart from samsara. Samsara is in nirvana. Nirvana is found right here. When we don't avoid our present circumstances and seek it elsewhere, The Spanish philosopher George Santayana said, those who forget their history are condemned to repeat it. It's another way of saying, if you ignore your karma, you will be caught up in it again and again. The great teachers of the past and present are keenly aware of this. It's not some intellectual understanding. That awareness comes from facing our own 500 lifetimes and not ignoring a single thing. This is what is meant by the courage to practice. The aspiration to live the four great vows, moment by moment. Because of his own struggles with karmic imprints and their consequences, Edo Roshi's message to us was, you must have utter determination and resolve. Don't practice half-heartedly. 
throw away your expectations. If you are criticized, when you are criticized, humbly receive it and learn from it. Don't ignore. If you are praised, don't hold on to it. Oh, I think up, but I want. Just sit with all your might. Don't try to figure it out, whatever it is. Penetrate into the real. which is not the rational. Enter Muda. Be done by <clears throat> And when you get up from your zazen to take on many demands of your life, let your actions come What about when they don't? What about when we're overwhelmed by always we backslide, we forget, we're oblivious, we ignore, we fall short of our aspiration. We hurt others and are overcome with revulsion for ourselves. Anybody ever feel that way? Oh. So what about then? You know, Hiroshi's greatest teaching was compassion based on acceptance. Not just accepting what we like, what we approve of, what we admire, but acceptance of the whole enchilada. The messy, stinky, complex, ever-changing nature of being human. Of human beings training in 
the Bodhisattva's way. Lifetime, Mr. Lifetime. You think it's bad to be a fox? This is the training we are doing. Many, many more than 500 lifetimes. And do you think someday you'll perfect it? Maybe you think you already have. Hmm? Anybody? They do say that nobody is perfect. And we are all perfect, just as we are. And as I said, Friday night, quoting Shinyu Suzuki Roshi, we all have room for improvement. So now I'll embarrass Sogon, Larry Schoenberg. On your first visit here to New York Zendo in the early 70s, you heard something that you've never forgotten. Ada Roshi said on that beginner's night. And you included what he said in your book, Four Men Shaking. He spoke on the first of the four great vows, and he said, This, however innumerable all these are. I vow to save them all. And he asked the group of you newcomers what it means to save someone. He asked, do you think it's to make that person happy, free of pain, that you can take away his suffering and solve his problems? And he answered himself, Zen is always more than you think and less. From a Zen point of view, save means only accept. You want to save a sentient being? Accept him as he is. Save yourself? Accept yourself as you are. And, you know, this may be the most difficult thing for us to do. Even though self-acceptance is fundamental to accepting others, 
We're not really good at it, are we? Most of us have grown up with conditional love. Based on whether or not we've measured up or succeeded in others' eyes. So what we get good at is judging and blaming. What about when we make a mistake or forget to do something or do the wrong thing? Maybe we identify with it. We think, that's who I am. There I go again. I'm such a fool. I'll never be worth anything. I'm such a bad person. Maybe I don't belong here. And then we keep twisting the knife. For some of us, harshness toward ourselves has become a default mode. And it goes outward. You know the expression, the shit hits the fan? Worrying around, worrying around. And then we carry it forward. When my husband and I became parents, I remember hearing myself chiding our son for something. I don't remember what. But I remember thinking with horror, that's your stepfather's voice. You've internalized it. I remember going to Doksan with Sogan Yamakara Roshi on one of his visits to Daibasatsu Zendo and telling him, I'm so discouraged by my inexhaustible delusions. He looked at me. Some of you remember his kind face. And said, Don't 
hate your delusions. Unforgettable. His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, and many other Tibetan teachers have spoken of how shocked they were when they first began teaching Westerners by the degree of self-hatred being carried around inside them. Some of you may know John Wellwood. He was a pioneer in the field of East-West psychology. He died in 2019 as well. And he wrote, such an intense degree of self-blame is not found in traditional Buddhist cultures where there is an understanding that the heart-mind, also known as Buddha nature, is unconditionally open and compassionate. Well, this global society of ours, who knows, it may not be the case anymore in traditional Buddhist cultures, but for the teachers who came over here as pioneers, it was quite shocking. When we don't accept our full selves, what do we do? We suppress a lot. We try to be what we think others want us to be. It gets very complicated, right? And we misuse spiritual practice as a way of avoiding what we don't want to see, don't want others to see, We can look good, act charitably, sit long hours without moving, and yet when we're not in touch with old karmic patterns and inner wounds, what's covered over can become quite toxic and can erupt at most inconvenient times. Wellwood called this spiritual bypassing. You know, ironically, it's precisely those emotional and psychological challenges 
that are such a rich source of spiritual growth. That's why Adol Rishi said, accept yourself. Because you think I'm good? Flawless. Okatolo Osho in his wonderful talk yesterday quoted Bodhidharma. This is how mortals liberate Buddhas. Our very afflictions seen with attention and filled with where we find So it's pretty radical, this practice, eh? <clears throat> and even when our afflictive habits rise up again, and those little moments when we're not paying attention, once we've had the experience of letting them go, of seeing that they have no substance, we can stop right there and see that as a nika, dukkha, anatta, nothing to grasp after. Nothing to blame when your mind is wandering, just return to the great ease of this way. Your Zazen knows what to do. Return to one. Just this breath. Just this. The Buddha said, you are your own enemy. You are your own savior. Just as our thoughts, emotions, and actions are the primary causes of our suffering, our thoughts, emotions, and actions can be the source of our freedom. That's what we're doing here. The transformation is up to us. 
and we find that acceptance brings forgiveness. This is really How many times have we been walking around the tight street? The person did this, the person did it. I I said that. Oh my god. Tight fist, right? Forgiveness. What a gift for give. Forgive. To feel the heart mind open. There is where our sincere aspiration and motivation for compassion come about. Once the Buddha was asked, are love and compassion part of your teaching? He said, no. Love and compassion are the whole of my teaching. In the way of the Bodhisattva, Shantideva, the great Indian master who lived in the first part of the eighth century, said this, merit is the true cause of the body's ease. Well, happiness of mind is brought about by training. What can sadden those who have compassion? Bring some sorrow for the sake of beings. The definition of a bodhisattva. Some request is being made. It may be an old low battery alert. Low battery. That's it, folks. Life death. <laughs>
Well, I only have a few more words, and whether they're recorded for posterity or whatever that is, or not, <laughs> doesn't really matter. <coughs>
what we should do, and just give ourselves completely to this practice in faith and understanding. Thus Dogen ends Shoji, life, death, with this phenomenal teaching, which Edo Roshi loved, which I love, and I'm sure many of you love. Here are his instructions to you. Free body, mind, and abandon it. Throw yourself into the house of the Buddha. Let the Buddha initiate you and simply follow this effortlessly without anxiety. Then you can be freed from samsara and become a Buddha. And Dogen says, there is a very easy way to become a Buddha. Refrain from all evil. Don't cling to samsara. Have deep compassion for all beings. Show a reverential heart toward elders. Be kind to the young. Don't dislike the myriad things. Keep your mind free of desire. Judgment and anxiety. Then you will be called a Buddha. Seek no more. Thank you, Edo This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.